Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? That wrecked El Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening. Good evening. And welcome once again to another episode of The Tipping Point. We have a lot of guests tonight. Almost too many to name, honestly. Um, This is the post-award show. I'm Stephen Platinum. Joining me is not only the great and uh, legendary Larry Goodman, but legend in the making, Rob Rod is here as well. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? I'm fabulous. Hello, Larry. Yes. Hello, Larry. And, and hello, you sick son of a bitch, Stephen Platinum. <laughs> so, you've got all of us together. This is kind of, I guess, our own version of a mini award show. Um, we're going to have Crystal Rose on. We're going to have William Huckabee on. Uh, we're going to have, who else, Eric Adams on, and um, possibly um, Referee of the Year as well. Yeah, and all these folks were at the uh, awards and gala, so we'll see what, the day, what their take is on it. But, boy, we got some, we got some news happening today, huh? Yes. Lead the way, Larry. What are we talking well, about right now? Um, I see that uh, Myron Reed is coming out publicly asking uh, Baron Black, where's my money, bro? Oh, no. I didn't see that. Oh, no. Yep. 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 And he, he, boy, and that guy in that match, Battle Slam, uh, that's what, week ago Sunday, he busted ass, had the match of the night. And uh, apparently has not received his money. What kind of did he mention? What kind of money that we're talking about? I know we always have kind of these theories and conjecture on uh, how much money does Battle Slam lose. <laughs> but I would did, did we get a sense of how much money we're talking about? No, the only thing I I was told by somebody who knew some stuff was that he was not the highest-paid guy on the show. But, no, I do not know. Mm. Yeah, Myron Reed is a guy that I saw um, for the first time in person on that um, MLW show where Logan Creed slash Cruel premiered. And he was incredible. Um, You know, the highlight being him and, oh, boy, Teddy Hart kind of going at it at one point. And Teddy Hart hitting these just sort of gorgeous moonsaults. And you could tell Myron Reed was getting pissed about it. <laughs> Teddy Hart was just kind of going into business for himself. Like he 
like he did before at Ring of Honor, where Teddy Hart just famously just did moonsault after moonsault and forced these guys to catch him like a dozen times. It's one of those Teddy Hart things. And um, But Myron Reed always impresses. He's always great. Um, and what – I mean, I, Rob, I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm just going to say something controversial here because it's what I do, right? Mm-hmm. What did it take for Myron Reed – to come out publicly and say they didn't give me my money when Baron Black, um, I mean, part of what makes Battle Slam special is it's it's not like it's all exclusively black wrestlers, but there is this sort of vibe of this is kind of the cool company to work for, that we're kind of all in for the culture. So for Myron Reed to kind of turn on that idea and sort of declare, I didn't get my money in this bullshit. I mean, you're around the local scene so much. I mean, what what happened? Is it more than about money, or is it just about money? I'm not sure. Uh, Jabari would probably be a better person to ask. I had to work that last show, so I wasn't there. And I haven't, uh, to be honest, today I've been asleep most of the day because body, body just didn't want to wake up. But, yeah, Jabari be the better person to ask that question. I mean, so they it, drew what at the last show? Like 80? 80? I mean, like 80. The, the, those numbers. That's not good. I mean, Battle Slam has become like cryptocurrency, right? Where it's like every <laughs> show <laughs> every show gets worse and worse and worse. And, and now with this, I mean, oh, Larry, what, well, what the hell's going on? So the other thing is I think uh, Barron knew that he wasn't going to draw to, to go in that building, this new um, event center, because he couldn't have put more people in there than what he had. So he knew, I guess, from his advance that his crowd was going to be low. And he had a good building at that event center in Morrow. So that was a beautiful building. I can only speculate that this was a cheaper space, and it's a smaller space and a cheaper space to go into than the um, Oasis in Morrow. Um, there were a couple other people of significance that had worked there for Battleslam before that were advertised and uh, not on the show. Uh, Casey Navarro, Tasha Steeles, both advertised in you know, upper card matches. Neither were there. So I don't know what the, what their issues were, particularly Steels, who was in town for Impact, and you know several other Impact oh people worked that uh, Battle Slam. So I don't know what's going on there, shrouded in mystery. Um, it's too bad. It's also, I mean, a sure, not a sure thing, but it's an indication that you kind of feel like they're on the way out, don't you? I like mm-hmm. if you're if you're making decisions like getting a venue four days before. A venue that, even if they sold the thing out, they would have obviously invariably lost money. These are all the kind of dumb decisions that you see in wrestling. <laughs> like these are they're, it's so wrestling, um, and I don't know the the bloom seems off the roads. A, a show for Battle Slam where Jonathan Gresham is going to be on the card would have seemed to be a gigantic thing, but clearly whatever momentum they ever had was lost. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we're, we're looking at possibly a shrinking number of promotions 
well, not possibly. We, we, I think we are. I mean, if Battleslam goes, we already know Anarchy is done for at least the first third of the year and maybe longer. And then Gary Lamb is post that, you know, he'll run February and then consider his options and may or may not continue on after the February show. Yeah. I mean, Larry and I had a long talk, Rob, um, mm-hmm. sort of yesterday uh, about, like, post-awards, what does it mean? One of the things that I'd stated, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, is what the awards gala showed um, was that nobody is too, nobody's bigger than wrestling in the state or even in the region anymore, where there was a time mm-hmm. where, like, wild side slash anarchy dominated, right, where they were like the monolith. They had syndicated right. television. That was everything. That was important. Everybody else was sort of weak sister to them. And then it was, what are the groups that had a semblance of television or, or paid the most? So you had sort of the Rampage era, right, where it was like Rampage right. and Anarchy still dominated. Now, even like with the collapse of Southern Honor, and again, I'll, I'll put my Patreon over. I did this sort of analysis video of the voting because I saw some like Southern Honor loyalists going like, you know, IWE, you know, is BS because Southern Honor is where the boys want to work. And, you know, they voted in a block. Of course they voted in a block. Everybody voted in a block. Like, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what happens every year. The difference right. was the boys voted in the blocks for Anarchy and for IWE. They abandoned Southern Honor. And I don't mean, I'm not exaggerating. They took last or, de- or second to last in every major category except for promoter, where Gary Lamb was upended by Tim. So, like, this was the year where they were sort of <clears throat> abandoned. And with Anarchy being gone, and I, that should be huge news because, I mean, I'll just say it. They're gone, right? Yeah. If I'm having to talk them and I'm working behind the scenes to talk them into doing one more show that isn't even a wrestling show, talking them into a wrestling show is it's not happening. I'll just tell you, they are not going to do wrestling in that building for anarchy again. So I'm just trying to talk them into doing a show for closure's sake so we don't have a rampage situation, if that makes sense. Right. Where people just feel like they're abandoned and like the promotion just abandoned them and people don't get to say goodbye. Like they, I feel like they deserve to do at least that. So they're done. So they're done. It is. And Southern Honor's done. So, but it, yet it, the wrestling will survive. That's oh, my yeah. point. Like, it, like, it's going to go on, and it's going to go on very strongly. I mean, but Rob, you're, you've got your freaking ear to the ground over there. Like, what's the vibe from the boys as far as all of this tumult? Are they worried that those promotions might be going out of business? Or are they just like, well, I already wrestled for 17 other places. I'm good. Uh, it's well. There is a large number of other promotions, and there are new promotions starting up. Uh, there's one going to be in Marietta uh, coming up, and a couple more that I can't remember at the moment. 
So I, I don't know whether that's tax refund season promotion type of thing or not, <laughs> but the boys will always have options. <clears throat> so it, it's a really, it's a matter, I think, of them choosing which, they they have the power, I think. The, the boys have the power. They can choose which ones will serve, working that show will serve their best interest. That's That's my take on it. And I think they, if they don't outright acknowledge it, they it's in the back of their mind. I've got the power. I can go wherever I need to go. Because uh, even that list I made of Alabama shows, uh, and you know, just just trying to do prep work for that, and there's like 20 shows there just in Alabama yeah. that they can go to, along with Tennessee and the Carolina. So they've got the boys have the power. I think. I'd agree. I, I'll say this, too, and, I mean, I, I sort of mentioned it to Larry, but I'll just say it to you directly. At one point, you know, you'd message because you're soon to not be in Georgia and you're going to be in Florida. And mm-hmm. you'd sort of thrown out, like, you know, I hope that there's shows. Rob, I'll tell you this. <laughs> um, oh, I know there's a bunch there of are, shows, yeah. There, there, there's a bunch of shows, but it's, it's, there's not just a bunch of shows. There's, like, a bunch of shows that are the worst I'll say this, like the upper echelon Georgia shows have a slight edge on the upper echelon Florida shows, but the average Florida show is way better than the average Mm -hmm. Georgia show in the sense of how it's run. I mean, I don't go to a show. I'm going to three shows this weekend. Insane, right? Yeah. So I'm going to a show that I would consider a shit show. It's actually literally called the local wrestling show. Let me say that again. <laughs> this show is literally called the local wrestling show. And it's populated by guys that I've written about in reports before. And they're sort of like the lower tier dudes. But you know what? <laughs> they're actually pretty good. And it's close to my house. Then I'm going to No Peace Underground, which is making its return. Um, and the people that are just showing up to do this show just because they want to do it are guys like Schlack, who gets a mil- you know, he gets a thousand dollars per appearance for XPW and he's showing up for this show for way less money. Kylan King just got announced for the show, Larry, like oh. all these people are showing up just because they love the promotion. Right. So it's, uh, they're showing up to do this thing. And then, on um, Sunday is pro wrestling action, which unlike, you know, action in Georgia, people actually come to this thing, right? So like they'll have minimum 500 people there. They've never had less than 400, like, and it's a real meat and potatoes kind of wrestling show, but it's just, it's an exciting scene here. And with Rob here and me writing about it, um, I think the Alabama thing is going to expand. We just need a couple more people to cover, and the net is wider. Like, that's how I see it. I don't see it as like, oh, no, Georgia's in trouble because Rob's not there to cover it. Of course it's going to make a difference, but it's more like the net is expanding. And, Rob, this is the part that's really exciting. They are desperate for coverage here. They pay Mm. me to go to shows here because they're so desperate for people to cover them because they realize that value. But the difference is they don't need it, right? Like the clearly right. if you're drawing 
minimum 400 a show. You don't need me to show up and cover your show. Now, you would argue, oh, the same thing for Georgia, but that's not true. In Georgia, you, you're not really on the map until somebody sees you. Like, there's shows that are doing successful shows, but like, like Division or whatever. And, you know, when you look at the rise of shows like Deep South and others, um, it's now the promotions in Georgia themselves that have the power, right? If Nick Patrick decides Deep South is going to throw its weight behind KLT, it legitimizes KLT in a, mm-hmm. in a powerful way. And I think more of that's going to happen, not less, because we're still in a time of peacetime. We don't have promotions really fighting with each other. Even promotions that should hate each other don't outwardly do it, like classic versus Southern violence, right? It's like they both get separate. I told Larry, it used to be a Siamese twin. <laughs> if you separated <laughs> them, one would die and one would survive. Now it's an earthworm. You cut them in half and they both regrow. And I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more groups working together. I mean, they all use the same people, <laughs> right? Gone yeah. are the days where you could tell guys, you know, don't go work for them. They're a shit show. Even the guys that have big league potential can't stop themselves from working for everybody, right? They just, they just do. And I don't know. I just feel like Georgia wrestling will always survive. Maybe our guests will feel differently, but it's an interesting notion for sure. Well, speaking of our guests, um, we got Mr. Huckabee right here on the line. Let's get him on here. Joining the tipping point, the one and only William Huckabee. Welcome to the show, sir. What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on, freaking Iron Man, freaking tough dude? Jesus Christ. Uh, (laughs) Hold hold on, hold on, before... No, no, before we start kissing each other's ass and say, oh, I miss you, you're doing such a great job, Let, let's call out the bullshit. Can we, can we do that, gentlemen? Please. Uh, Platinum, you know, and I think a lot of people, I, I think I've defended you more as a person, not just as a wrestling personality, but as a person, almost as much as anybody, probably more than anybody that's not from Georgia, but almost as much as anybody that's from Georgia. And, and I've always admitted that when you're right, you're right. And, I, you know, we both know that when I feel like you're wrong, you're wrong. Can we both can we agree on that? Sure. Yes. Okay. So can we say that you were dog-ass wrong the way you talked about the Georgia Wrestling History Awards and then release that video yesterday saying, oh, it was just the work I knew for the awards to win in the hill and somebody to talk trash about it in order for people to, to solidify behind it and get behind it. Can we just admit that that was complete and total trash and bullshit? That video was done two months ago. Genius. I understand that. No, no, I understand the video was done two months ago, but I'm talking about the reasoning behind doing what you did was complete and utter bullshit. Like no, because I I know those guys in a in a I real way, and nausea. I mean, all of those guys need to kick in the ass. Can we admit that Tyreek did nothing for that show? All you guys I who were like thanking him, you guys know he didn't do jack shit for that thing. I think that, I think that he did. I don't know specifically what he did. I know that he messaged me several times 
uh, asking me what I thought about this and what I thought about that, and I gave him my opinion. But what I'm saying is if we're going to have something such as, and I think that's a great idea to have an award show. I would not show on this podcast. I think this is a great podcast. I listen to it whatever I can. But I think it's a great idea to have, like, an, now that we have physical trophies, we should have an actual award show so all the boys can get together and not have any bullshit and not have any drama. And so we can put faces to these names that we see on social media and celebrate each other. For, for you know, whether it was going to be a complete fucking uh, uh, bomb scare and no, and it might have had, like, 10 people or whether it would have had 10,000 people, you know, I, I've always – I've gotten to the point now in my life where – I feel like we need to encourage people, especially, and Steve, no, no offense to, to uh, Larry or to Rob Rod, we are two men of color. You are half Hawaiian and half white. I'm, I'm black. We are two people of color. If we see other minorities trying to do something, we should support them instead of, instead of tearing them down, period. Not willy-nilly. I'm going to completely disagree with that notion. You cannot do if you feel okay. If you feel like they're doing something wrong, instead of publicly instead of publicly berating them, you pull them to the side and say, "Hey, I don't like this. I think if, if you have a better idea, then give them your better idea." But if they want to do something, hey, let them try. What's the worst that can happen? They fail. Okay, we failed, but at least we fucking tried. Uh, I did know? try to pull them aside and talk to them, but again, they got the idea in their head that we're going to do this thing no matter what. They talked the right people into doing it. It worked on one level, um, but I mean, it had a, it had it's built on a foundation of lies. I mean, we don't want to well, talk that about that. It's overall, you I know, think everybody who went, everybody that went had a great time. Like, I mean, and, and and the general consensus. Me and my wife both said the general consensus we heard from everybody, and we had the same opinions. When we had one opinion of how it was going to be when we walked in. Before we got there, we were like, oh, well, this is going to be some basic indie wrestling shit. And then we got there, and we were like, oh, this – hey, Goodman, am I wrong? Did you have the same, did you have the same thought process, Goodman? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect. And, and then I thought – and then it actually turned out to be pretty prof, a pretty professional operation all the way through. Exactly. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I couldn't have any – I heard the alcohol was great. I couldn't have any of it. Uh, <laughs> it was strong. I was told it was extremely strong. That's what I thought. Oh, it, it was strong. You guys had a party on Naja's dime, right? And um, that's cool. No, 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 no. I paid for my wife's ticket. No, I'm saying, though, that guy lost his ass. And the fact that he has to now claim that somehow he made money, when everybody knows good and goddamn well, he lost more yeah. than a grand. And and that's if fine. Lost, it's not that the event didn't money. work. Exactly. But okay, if he lost money, cool. If he lost money, okay, cool. He knows what to do for next year. Or if they decide to have one next year, he knows where he must stop at, what he did right, what he did wrong. But we as people of color and, and we as people who are in the wrestling industry, does he know that? that? Is it, is like, I, don't, I didn't see any of the – what I saw was a guy who said, well, I'm going to do one and then pass it on in order to sell it. And is now saying, no, we're going to run next February. By the way, running that award show in February is fucking dumb. Can we all agree on that? Well, yes, but I also, I also think that we should, do, we should do the votes or whatever until after the new year. I agree on that, too. Completely. I, think that, I think I said that on social media. I was like, why don't we wait until after the Iceberg show? Exactly right. I could not agree award. with you more. 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because there's, um, it can all be and, done and very so, quickly. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, I mean, Steve, I, I had a huge problem with you tearing down and shitting on these young guys who are trying to do something. Whether they made the mistakes, and yes, yes, they did make mistakes. They made a lot of huge mistakes. They made a lot of public mistakes. But no matter what, as veterans in this business and in this area, our job is to support. Our job is to build up. Our job is not to tear down. Like if I was Gary Lamb and I said, I'm going to sit there in the corner with murder, get drunk, and rip the show apart? Now, that would be the same thing. And that I know. Would, you that guys would, all worship at the feet of Gary Lamb, and he, didn't do, and he didn't do anything that he said he was going to do, by the way, besides providing the building, right? He didn't okay, shit on if, it. If Gary, and, if Gary and Murder would have done that, I would have talked to them and said, hey, bro, and me and Murder, you know, we're to the point now because we're both older where we can sit down and disagree and still be friends. I would have told Murder, hey, man, that wasn't cool. You know what I'm saying? I understand why you did it, but I don't think it was cool. I would have told Jerry the same thing. Hey, man, you know, that, that was, that's kind of fucked up to do that. And, and Gary did decide not to do that. But Gary decided not to do that, which was cool. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, and oh, no, it's because they got Molly. It's because they got Molly walked. I mean, Gary so was going to cut this promo at the end, ripping everybody apart. But they got fucking Molly Wop, so he didn't do it. That's not, that's not a decision made out of maturity. That's, that's, I'm embarrassed. I wonder right? whether he was embarrassed or not. I think he handled those losses with, with grace and dignity. He didn't because I would have threw a fit. Oh, in my building, ain't no fucking way. <laughs> I would tell you the truth. I, I probably would have had a fit in my own building. But hey, I mean that's that's the way the cookie that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, anyway, all right. So now I've got that out of my way. Now let's get to the questions. Yes. Someone ask Huck a question, please, please. Well, how are you feeling? How are you? Yeah, how are you feeling? Physically? Yeah. Um, I think I'm feeling about as good as somebody who had a heart attack and two stents put in could feel two weeks later. Uh, I'm really not trying to. T- I know everybody wants to be like, oh, how, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm on the way back. I'm rebuilding. I'm getting better. Uh, huge shout to my wife for saving my life. If I wouldn't have went to the hospital that night, I would have died. Legitimately, would have died that night. And then y'all would turn the award show into the Will Huckabee Memorial Show. Glad we didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Shit, I mean, <laughs> I, still, I still got a show I want to book when WrestleMania comes here. Could you um, just talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about this, that, you know, you, we talked, you and I talked to the show with Celine, and you explained a little bit about how that unfolded. Would you mind talking a little bit about that, uh, you know, what happened that night? I long make a long story short. I thought I had heartburn, um, and my wife Selena, she was like, "No, you never get heartburn. Are you sure you're okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine, but you know my chest is kind of tight." And then I started getting lightheaded, and uh, my wife was like, "I think it's your blood pressure. Uh, let's go to the hospital." And so I was like, "All right, well, let's call an Uber." And she was like, "No." Because my wife is way smarter than I am, she was like, "No, let's call an ambulance. Let me let me call nine one one just in case." And so I was like, all right, no problem, baby. And so she called 911. The fire truck gets there. The ambulance gets there. Uh, my blood pressure was, was kind of high. So they was like, well, let's go ahead and take you to the hospital. Uh, about five, six minutes into the ride to the hospital, I ended up having a heart attack in the ambulance. Uh, my, blood oh, pressure shot to like, my blood pressure shot to like 210 over 130. 
got to the hospital. Everything inside the hospital uh, from that point is kind of it's kind of blurry for me. Um, but I do remember they started prepping me. They they did my blood pressure. Realized I was having a heart attack. Uh, did like an EKG or whatever those things is. Realized I had some blockages in my heart uh, and had to do an emergency surgery right there where they had to. I had a the artery on my right side was 100% blocked, and so they went ahead and did that Wednesday night, Thursday morning, went ahead and put a stint in that for that one. And then Friday morning, uh, they had to go in, and I don't know what it's called medically, but the, the RN or the PA at the hospital said they call the, the artery the widow maker. It's on the left side of your heart. That was 70% blocked. So they had to go in and put a stint in that one as well. So two stints. They, luckily, they went through my wrist and not through my groin. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's, a, that's the basis of what happened. And then it was just, a, then it was just me staying in the hospital trying to regulate my blood pressure. Uh, at one point they had regulated it too much and gave me too much, uh, nitrous and, and other stuff. And, uh, it dropped my blood pressure down to like 60 over 40 or something like that. 74 Holy moly. Yeah. You don't want um, that. And then they, yeah. Then they had to jack it back up. So. Yeah, so it was just a, at that point it was just regulating my uh, my blood pressure and stuff to make sure I was healthy enough to go home. So how long were you in the hospital total? Uh, from Wednesday night to Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Okay. You know, and my Holy biggest thing God. was I didn't put it on social media. I know, like everything, like you know, with with the stuff that happened with Ace Haven and now the things that happened with with Ethan Case. Uh, and I hope Ethan Case gets a whole lot better. I know it's yeah, man. It's, I know the story is for everybody. When you're in the hospital, something strange happens. Everybody wants to put it on social media. Um, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want nobody bugging me or bothering me while I was in, while I was in the hospital. I had certain friends who knew about it, and I contacted them and let them know. Uh, I messaged Tim Blackman because I was supposed to be at IWE Saturday, and I was like, hey, I had to call him. I was like, hey, I can't make it to the show. I just had a heart attack. I'm in the hospital. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. Uh, but other than that, I didn't want anybody to know until I was at home. I was calm. I was peaceful. Uh, and, and I knew everything was fine. Got you. So what's, what's the immediate forecast as far as what you can do? I don't mean as far as wrestling bullshit. I just mean as far as, you know, you being able to, you know, because you're, you're having a, you have a very successful sort of moving company that I, you know, yeah. I see people post about it all the time, which is fucking unbelievable, right? So yeah. what's, what's your status as far as, like, that goes, or do, is it still, like, touch and go, we don't know yet, and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, as far as my movement company goes, it's very touch and go. Like, I can't do, right now, I'm just, like, on no exercise, no heavy lifting, nothing. It's like, uh, I'm still very light. I still get tired. Uh, so my workout regimen right now is kind of like walking. You know, me, me and Selena, we walk down the street. Um, because I still get winded, you know, I still, and, and I think Larry yeah. and Rob Ross saw that at the award show where, like, I would walk around the building, I'm like, okay, I've got to sit down, like, I'm so tired. Uh-huh. Um, so right now it's, it's building up my actual cardio strength and cardiac strength. So uh, for the next two weeks, uh, for the last two weeks, I've just been doing a lot of walking uh, and not walking long distances. Like, oh, I walked 100 yards today. Oh, I walked around the grocery store. Oh, <laughs> you know, things of that nature. Um, yeah. Probably the next few weeks we'll start. My doctor wants me to start doing some uh, some weightlifting and stuff, but not like heavyweights, you know, uh, light weights, uh, very high reps to to build my actual muscle strength back up and to build my heart back up and stuff. Because the goal is to get me back to where I was pre-heart attack. 
You know, that's that's always the goal is to get you back pre-heart attack. So, you know, right. let's take the next six to eight weeks and, and just see how I feel and uh, not counting anything out, not saying I'm not coming back to wrestling, not saying I'm coming back to wrestling, but we're just going to take the next eight weeks and, and see how I feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you, you were up for mentor, and I'll just tell you, Huck, <laughs> as a guy who is monitoring the voting, I don't know if this is going to make you feel better or worse. I hope it makes you feel better. Fuck, you were winning that shit um, <laughs> for most of the time. And <laughs> it's a real testament to how the boys feel about you. It's, a, it's an award voted on by your peers, Matt. And, yeah. you know, you're there with, you know, you're there with Todd, who is a guy who's involved in so many shows, right? I don't think anybody would deny that, like, that list was a proper list, right? You got Hankins, you got Todd, you got you. And hey, what, what, how does that feel? I mean, I, you had stated sort of publicly that the mentor award was the most meaningful of them to you, right? Like, obviously you're proud of what you've done with, with Hanson and all-star special and that kind of thing and helped out the promotions that you've worked for. But just knowing that you were considered on the same level as far as a mentor with guys like Hankins and Todd, um, now that you know that for sure, that it was more than just a nomination, that you were a viable, possible winner, how do you feel about that? I don't know. Second place was Rick Michael, so I couldn't have been that. <laughs> I couldn't have been winning that much. <laughs> it was split several ways. Um, how, how, do, how does it make me feel? Is that what you're asking, Platinum? Yeah. Yeah, um, man. It, of course, I'm 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 honored. I, I kind of I told Selena I kind of cheered up. It was kind of like eh, I told I told Selena and Hanson. I was like uh, I don't think I'm gonna tell you the truth. I was like Platinum will never let me win that award. Um, kind of like the tag team tag, tag team of the year. I was like Platinum will never let us win that award. He'll fudge those numbers to make sure we don't win. Um, you guys were second to last in that, so you didn't have a fucking shot at that. But I, mentor, I, I you were legitimately that. winning at different points in the voting, for sure. But uh, I think as far as mentor goes, it, it says a lot. It says that the younger people that I'm surrounded with in the locker room, uh, that you're respected. I, I, I've always said, and I told Hanson this, and I tell a lot of people this, is like I want to be the wrestling veteran that I didn't have. Um, there was a, you know, I come mm. into the business in the early 2000s, um, I, in the early days of MySpace and, and things of that nature, and we still had to send a CD or a DVD to promoters and stuff, uh, you know, you would ask vets, hey, how do I get one here? What do I got to do there? And they would either ignore you or they would give you some shitty answer. Uh, and it just didn't make you feel like a good person. Uh, and I've always wanted to be the kind of wrestling vet that younger people can come up to and say, hey, I have a problem hey, can you help me out with this? And, and I tell people this all the time. I put in my messages, hey, if I can help you, hit me up. If you think I can help you, hit me up. And if I can't help you, I will. I know enough people in the wrestling business between between Florida to New York to uh, Oregon, to Portland, Oregon, and Texas. I know enough people in wrestling around the country that I can find somebody that can help you with your situation. If you want to get booked somewhere and I have an idea or I have a way to get you booked, hit me up, and I will do my damage to get you booked. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that they tell you is that you're supposed to leave wrestling better than the way you found it. And that's been my goal for the last four or five years is to make every young wrestler, well, first of all, make sure they earn their spot to be in the locker room, 
but to make them feel that they are wanted, to make them feel that there's somebody in their corner, and to make them feel like they're not alone. And in the last year or the last two years since teaming up with Hanson, that's really been my goal is to help young talent get better. Uh, contrary to what Stephen Platinum put in one of his full disclosures, unless I'm tagging up with uh, Hold My Bear Hanson as the All-Star Special, I have lost every singles match I've been in since I started the feud with Joe Black in 2019. <laughs> well, there's a I mean, and that's not me saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm doing, I'm putting guys over, da, da, da. It's because I want to help guys get better. You know, I was like, I'm, I already have my name solidified. I'm, I'm Will Huckabee. I'm the Incredible Huck. Like, I'm a legit tough guy. Even with a heart attack, there's still very few people that will test me. Me losing a match won't hurt me at all. But me putting somebody else over may possibly help them in their career or in their confidence level. So to be recognized for mentor of the year or to be nominated for mentor of the year is cool because that means that these young guys that from WWA four and the nightmare factory, and now they're deep South. Uh, they recognize me as one of the guys in Georgia that they can depend on to give them good advice. Nice. Hey, Huck, do you, do you want to hang on while we bring on another guest? Do you want to stick around? Uh, sure. Great. Let's get the uh, female performer of the year on. I believe we've got her here. Is this Crystal Rose? Hello, hello. Howdy. Hey. Crystal. How are you guys? I'm doing great. We're doing great. Crystal, this is Steve. I'm going to ask a a tough question right off the jump. (laughs) So... (laughs) Did and you know be as honest as you feel like being. It's wrestling, right? So right. Did you feel? What did you feel your chances were of winning this year? Because you know Danny Jordan had dominated that award, and you had come into wrestling in a decidedly different route, right? You were working like a variety of shows that were not Southern honor. Um, you're, you know, you basically worked every show outside of the ones that had traditionally dominated the awards, um, with the exception of anarchy and you won big, right? I'll just tell you that. Like you won in a big way. Did you think though, personally, that you were going to win this year and either way, how did you feel when you were announced as the winner? I will be honest, I did not think that I would win the trophy this year. Totally did not. Um, And I was surprised. I was very surprised. I was. It was, um, funny is not the right word, but it's interesting that, you know, I wound up sitting next to you all night. We were at the same table. And knowing that you won, and, like, it was just like, and then it, you're, you're you you did seem you know quite surprised. And part of the reason that I wanted to ask you on the show tonight is you didn't really get to talk that much about that night because you were you just seemed so like surprised by the moment um, that you actually. I was won. really caught off guard. <laughs> yeah, I was really like, <laughs> "What? Holy shit! I won!" <laughs> Which is what I said. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was I was very I was very shocked and surprised and honored. Um, it was 
it was one of my highlight moments. <laughs> uh, 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 upon reflection, uh, is there more you would like to say about winning than you got to say holy shit that night? <laughs> there was I was honestly I was speechless. I didn't know what to say other than thank you, you know, because to me that's a big honor. You know, being a female in Georgia wrestling is not all that easy considering mm. we don't have a lot of women in the state of Georgia to wrestle. So 90% of the time I end up working guys if I do go to shows, you know. So to be nominated for that award and the ladies I was going up against are great talent, great athletes. I love, I love them both. Um, I haven't got to work with Shalante that much, but I've worked a lot with Brooklyn. Um, but it, I was just speechless, utterly speechless. Other than holy shit, I won. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's about all I had was holy shit. Um, but yeah, I do want to. If it wasn't for my husband kicking my ass on a daily, to, for me to not give up completely on myself to get better, you know, it's 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 hard to keep going in the wrestling business when you've been going for so many years. Um, yeah. You know? Crystal. Yeah. We're, uh, uh, you mentioned the, the female talent. How, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, have you seen improvement or is it, I know there's more female talent in the area now. How do you see female uh, wrestling in Georgia uh, compared to previous years, even pre-COVID? It's, after COVID hit, the women in Georgia just seemed to, they just seemed to damper all. I mean, you didn't see that many. After COVID, it was like, they. I mean, the numbers of women in Georgia seemed like they just, it kind of plummeted, you know? Um, mm-hmm. um, but, and then we got, because we had all that younger talent, I don't know, like, a lot of the younger talent that are still around in Georgia have gotten so much better. I mean, you know, they've came a long way in those few years, but I mean, our numbers are just very low and I don't know, I don't know what happened to us all. (laughs) It's a, it's a tough gig, right? Because the groups that I consult and help, whether people know about it or not, like they, everybody wants to do a women's division and a women's title. But yep, they it, do. It's it's but it's or even an it's all women show. How many how many times have all gone like, whether it's PCW or AWE, like we're gonna do this all women show, and then they find out like you can't, right? That's another thing Rob Rod's gonna find when he comes to Florida. Every show's yep. got women on it, and the, and then they got women on the regular, right? Because yeah, yes. I mean, <clears throat> if you've got big league prospects and you don't have life tying you down, if you're able to go anywhere, you tend to go to Florida because you're a stone's throw away, right? If you're Layla Gray, you're going to work, you know, enough shows around, get seen, try to show up for those dark tapings because, you know, that's the ticket. It's, it's tough. And that's why I was most impressed with, I got to say the people I'm really impressed with are like Shalance, who I do get to see in Florida once in a while. Who, yeah, it's such OBW. a tough road to hoe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I mean, and you, right? Like you're holding it. Okay, Crystal, this might embarrass you, and I apologize if it embarrasses you. 
Like you're you're holding down women's wrestling right now in the state, and I don't think it's a role that you thought you would have, but no. you're doing it. <laughs> but you're doing it, and now it's a matter of you know. But but when, but but there is hope on the horizon, right? When you look at like Rose Gold, and 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 all these like Nightmare Factory trainees that are coming out, they need veteran women to work with. Who can yep, make them and that's better. something. Yes, yes, that yes, a, a key crucial part to working with veterans to get better. And the, when with women, there's no veterans to get better. You know, like there's no the, the the guidance is not there from the women that you know because there's not but a handful of us. It's, it's hey, Crystal. Hey, Crystal. This is Huckabee. What's up, girl? I got a question for Crystal. What is it? Because, I, Crystal, I see you as the the bridge between female Georgia wrestling or Georgia female wrestling when I first started coming here, when it was you and Pandora and Dementia and Nina Monet, and then a lot of these younger females. Uh, my question to you as a – and please don't, be, please don't hit me the next time you see me because I just had a heart attack, so you can beat me up now. Uh, as an elder <laughs> statesman in, in female wrestling, as the elder statesman of female wrestling in Georgia, uh, what is something that promoters are not doing for female wrestlers uh, that they're doing for male wrestlers that you think would build up the female division, the female talent in Georgia? Mm. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Just... <sighs> Building them up in general is just it's hard it's hard to answer that question. That's a good question, Huck. <laughs> For me personally, I've got I've got great mentors. I've always went to Rick and Asriel and you know Slim J. I trained with those guys. You know I've always looked more to men mentors because that's all I've ever had. Um, I can give them some advice if if they would mentor the women the way they mentor the men, the women would improve. You know, just treat mm. them the same. I mean, we're, I mean, just, we're all athletes here at the end of the day. I mean, I've got my ass kicked, you know, back yeah. to Florida and back by men. And it's just, it's just something that you just have to get in there and just be like, hey, you know, you just got to let them know that, look, I'm here. I want to be here. Do you want me? If you do, I'm here. I'm clay. Mold me. I mean, you know, they just, they're there for the mold and they just got to be molded. And a lot of women, you know, be intimidated or whatever by the men promoters or the veteran men because they don't have the women to go to. You just got to put yourself out there. Yeah. And tell them, look, you know, I'm here. I want to learn. This is what I love. I'm an athlete, the same as you. And and that's just the way you have to look at it when it comes to mingling men and women. And, you know, because there's not many shows that have a women's division. And a lot of the shows that have tried have ultimately failed because they're, they're just, I guess the women feel like they're not getting the attention that the guys would. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I've just Crystal, always. Oh, I was going to say this, uh-huh. Crystal. Do you, think that, do you think that a lot of these females price themselves out of bookings? Cause I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, there are female wrestlers with it. There are female wrestlers with like a year in, and they're charging two hundred bucks. 
I do. Yeah. Think, no, yes. And, and I real. charge a third of that. That's a real thing. That's a, oh, We tried to do an all-girls show, and I will be honest with you, it was very hard because the budget just could not cut the price that the girls wanted to to charge for them being a year in and stuff. You know? And that's a big, big problem when it's... That that's the dichotomy. That's the that's the push and pull, right? On yeah. one hand, yeah. it's really hard to find women to work with. On the other hand, women are a commodity, and they're rare. They I are. mean, Anna J got signed yep. out of fucking wrestling school, right? Like, yeah. There's a whole right. generation that got signed out of re- like that's the that's the that's the real answer. Is there's a whole generation that got signed before they could do a headlock properly. Right, because it, exactly. of how they look and a desperate need for women. I mean, it is a yeah. desperate need, and that has subsided somewhat, right? But that was real. But and um, that was real. Tim, Tim is Tim and IWE have a women's division, but he does it by basically. And I told him he was going to have to do it that way if he really wanted it, which is he's just going to have to bring people in every show. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Southern yeah, Honor yeah. had to bring people in every show. Every That's show. That's how they had to do it. I mean, these little shows, I mean, they would have their one female, but then they would have to bring all these other girls in from out of state and everywhere else because there was nobody else because everybody mm-hmm. was charging way too damn much for their experience. <laughs> you know? And, and the level of what you guys were able to do, right? I think you and Brooklyn, I'd said that, like, it was cool to see Brooklyn placed in a spot where she wasn't just like, I'm feuding with another woman, right? Like it's, right. I have, I'm, a, I'm a powerful character. And I think the feud that you had with Hankins was one of those things that was like, it was such a cool way to solve a problem, which is we could only get women once in a while. And so we'll use them as like Hankins' cat's paws against you, right? So she's exactly. going to bring in Nina yeah. to try to get you. But ultimately, the feud centered around the people that you knew you could rely on. And unless there's enough women that can be relied on for extended programs, um, you're, people are going to have to get creative like that. Um, but, yes, I mean, like are. I said, when you, have, like, when you have a rose gold running around, um, and I think you need more like her, sort of like people who are really down to do this wrestling thing. But then again, rose gold if she improves, she might get snatched up. That's just the reality, right? <laughs> like, it is. Yes, you know, that's true. She's tall. She's good looking. Um, whereas Crystal has that you have ties because of Azrael. Like, you have ties to a lot of these places locally and that kind of thing. And so, I mean, like I said, you're it in Georgia. You are the main person that are going to help this women thing survive until it can thrive. Lord help us all. <laughs> Oh. Hey, um, <laughs> we're gonna hold it down. We are, Crystal. We're one, gonna one, make one, it. One more question for you. How does um, probably not a fair question, but I'll ask it. How does 2023 shape up the way you look at it? How what's the, you know we just talked about the difficulty of just booking women, but how does 2023 shape up for you personally? Do you think? Personally, I'm looking at 2023 is going to be a hell of a lot better year than what I had in 2022 wrestling wise and all around um i'm trying to go anywhere i can and i'm trying to i'm trying to get the girls that i know you know into training somewhere um any girls that i know if they need any help 
and you want help from me, call me. I'll help you. I'll meet you. I'll train with you. I mean, we we really need to get our women trained by these veterans where they can learn from them. And, I mean, it's there for you. Like, the opportunity is real. I mean, when you, you know, Priscilla and – Kiara Hogan had to wrestle each other five billion times, but you know what? They did it, and they both made it. And they you did. know, it's a that's the that's a good part, and it's the part that male wrestlers get really jealous about, which is, oh, if you're a woman, you can just. I mean, it's a it's definitely a pro con situation. I'm sure you can say that more than anybody. You know, like yes, right. in one sense, you're 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 novelty and you're wanted, but in the other sense, like. <sighs> Who the hell are you going to wrestle when you get there? Right. <laughs> Who the hell are you going to wrestle when you get there after they want you, though, is the problem. Well, hold on. Can I, can I put it right here? Because I think, Steve, I, I'm about to say, like, yeah, Priscilla and, Priscilla and, and Kiera wrestle each other a lot, but uh, as somebody who was there when they were in their development stages, like, a lot of their development was is credit to Ashton Starr. Like, them working with Ashton and – Know, and Ashton knowing how to work with females and knowing how to get the best out of them really helped them out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good point. Good point. Yes. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, everybody that Huck named before that, I mean, what's the common thread? Pandora, Nina, and Dementia. The common thread is fucking me. <laughs> right? Like, let's be fucking real. And, it's, and only guys like me, Asriel, and Murder are the ones that trained women. And gave a fuck and trained them properly, (laughs) unlike QT Marshall, who every chick he ever trained blew off their shoulder and all the rest of that shit. I know I shouldn't have said it, but I just said it. Like, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I mean, Huck's right, right? Like, it's it's everybody working with everybody. It's Hankins going like, me and Crystal are going to do this thing and it's going to be fucking great. Right. And Ashton right. going, yeah, because Ashton did have to, I mean, that's something that he complained about when we talked to him, right? Like, he didn't complain, but he was definitely like, I've been sort of put in this role of, I'm going to wrestle women. And so his yeah. decision was, then I'm going to do it the best I can. Right. And he did. Right. Um, yeah. But like, Crystal? Hello, there you are. Yeah, something something cut out there. Thanks a lot for giving us uh, your time tonight. And, uh, again, congratulations on uh, winning the award and uh, looking forward to seeing what you do in 2023. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Crystal. You know what we didn't talk about as far as women goes? Like, the it's one of the bright spots of, like, Battle Slam, right? Is, you know, you push and clean on me, and it's so good, but anybody who knows wrestling knows that they had already booked themselves in a corner, right? How many people are you going to fly in and pay a higher rate to continue to work with her and put her over, before, I mean, they, but they didn't, it didn't feel like, I mean, Larry, you can speak to this more. It didn't feel like there was an end game. It felt like they were just like, okay, we're going to build her up. It's this cool thing. 
we're all down with it, but it didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, they they and it, and it didn't. I mean, it was who's who's gonna who's Queen Aminata gonna beat this month? It it didn't go yeah. be it it never developed beyond that. Or, and, I mean, the problem is dudes dudes having a strong say in how women are booked is always going to have blind spots and limitations, right? Is is who's going to tell the truly creative stories? Um, I think that's the key until there's just the physical number of women that can work with one another. Um, you know, the, the Ashton stars and stuff of the world are vital, but at the end, at the end of the day, what we've always talked about is shit. I wish there was like 10 women in Georgia that could all work together and we're not even close. Well, why is that Steve? I think the the biggest problem in that situation is we don't foster an environment where women wrestlers can thrive. Uh, well, no, I mean, it comes down to, you know, I mean, if I'm at a J, I get signed. Who the, who the fuck wants to work indies when you can go to AEW and make real money? That's what happened during COVID, is anybody who, was, who looked like a Pornhub amateur porn girl got fucking signed. They all oh, did. You know, the, I mean, the, COVID, I, the, COVID, the COVID area is like, that's just a bubble in itself. I'm talking about overall, the past, let's say the past 10 years, it's like has, has Georgia or any other state. Because as somebody who's traveled more than the average Georgia wrestler, I can say that overall Georgia has the best wrestling scene as far as togetherness, as far as people knowing who's who and who's doing what over here and things of that nature, and, and just as far as being connected. And that's a huge part thanks to Larry Goodman. But even with Georgia being as great as it is compared to, let's say, Texas or even North Carolina, um, has Georgia fostered an environment where female wrestlers feel that they're appreciated and they can thrive? I think not since the days that Pandora and Dementia was having those hellacious cage matches at Platinum Championship Wrestling have, have we seen something like that. And, I mean, you sure. have females you know, such I, as the Renegade Twins, and you have Shalance, and you have Brooklyn, and you have – Rose Gold, and you have Jimma Jules, and all these other female wrestlers, uh, what's her name, the Saber chick that works at Pro Styles. You have all these young female talent that are here in this area, and we're not fostering them. We're not pushing them. We're not saying, hey, well, what does that mean? If, I, if I'm the Renegade Twins, they've, they've canceled their last three Georgia bookings to go work for AEW. That's the problem. Nobody, who's going to compete with <laughs> – Come to dark and we'll give you minimum 250 bucks and put you on some form of television and give you a shot to be on Dynamite for a thousand. Well, I mean, that's, that's, the Renegade Twins have no reason to wrestle in Georgia, and I don't and I don't blame groups for. I mean, so what's the answer? You got to pay them more. But we've we've talked about how that's an impossibility. That's well, the how problem. Often does, right? I mean, how often do they work? How often do they work for AEW? Well, once a week, tops once a week. Correct. Sure. Right. Okay, and that's usually and, 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 and otherwise they're going to do shows. They're going to do shows elsewhere where they can make money or they're closer to home. Right. There's not enough Georgia-based women because Florida's got a much more viable women scene. I don't know what else to say except that that's a fact. There's just more women in the Florida area doing their thing. They're not going to come to Georgia to wrestle except as one-offs if they're paid very well. That's just the reality of it. So until the WWA fours and stuff can crank out women that won't get snatched up right away. Um, that's the tough part, right? 
if you're going to get snatched up, if you're going to get signed, the second that you step out, you know, if you're an Anna Jay, a Layla Gray, or whoever's coming through the nightmare factory, like, that's always going to be a problem, I think. We've got um, our four-time Georgia Referee of the Year uh, waiting in the wings here. Let's get him on the air. Daryl Hall, welcome, and congratulations. What's up? Grandpa! What's up? How are you doing? How are you doing? I am doing well. That is excellent. Doing well. What's up, Grandpa? This is Huckabee. Selena told me to tell you hello. I'm I'm doing great. Hello. (laughs) Good. So, Grandpa, um, I yeah. two things. One, one of the coolest things I heard about from the award show was the referees all being together. I thought that picture you guys all took together, um, the fact that you all sat together was amazing, first of all. I think that that's such a cool thing because it's always been like two referees who were sort of up here and everybody else who sort of floated underneath. And it's really cool to see the referees in particular supporting each other because you're all such fucking weirdos that I'm glad that you <laughs> each other. Um, um, the other part is there's always been this thing in Georgia, or at least in the recent past, of like two referees that sort of vie for the unofficial title of who's the man in the ref world, right? The days where it would be like mm-hmm. Lee and uh, Kendall Wallace and that kind of thing. And so it's been you and David Weekly going back and forth. But now you have beaten that motherfucker soundly more than once. <laughs> no, Grandpa, like that, the voting for referee was very lopsided. Like this was a year where I think the boys went, I mean, and I said it before, you're the person that they want to referee their match. It's the ultimate compliment, and it's the thing that cuts through all the bullshit, right? And right. you work a bigger variety of shows. So my question is, why were you such a pain in the ass when you were a fan at PCW? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, my, my question that was my is, job. My, my question is, this isn't, you're not just a Hankins guy, right? You're working shows that Hankins doesn't work, has never worked, that kind of thing. What, what, what sparked within you to go, I'm going to work for all of these different shows? Um, what makes you want to do that? I love the sport. Um, ultimately, I'm, I'm a referee, but I'm a fan, and I have the best seat in the house being in the ring, being in the mix with them. I love being a part of Team All You Can Eat. I had a great time, but when Matt started managing Shane and being a part of the shows, and I would go to the shows, and I'm sitting in the audience, you know, the audience with everybody else, and Matt's backstage, it's like, I want to be a part of the show. I love I love being on stage. I love being a part of the show and doing my part as a referee. Um, I can be in the show and hear all the boos and the cheers, and I don't have to take bumps. Well, don't have to take many bumps. But I I just enjoy the sport. I love it, and I have the best seat in the house being in the ring with the action and being a part of it and, you know, doing my part and just trying to do a great job at whatever needs to be done to make the match go well. You know, Daryl, I think you know you winning the award again for the you know the fourth time. Part of it, of course, is that you're so good. Another part is that 
you go to so many different places and ref. Um, do, you, do you just enjoy getting out to, to, to different shows and doing the doing the driving and so forth? Is just is that just part of your makeup? Um, the driving, uh, but just being a part of all the different shows and working with more guys, you know, got women and guys in different shows. It's fun. I, I'm having a ball. I, I really enjoy it. it it's I enjoy being in the locker rooms before and after the shows. Every locker room is unique but the same because wrestlers are a special breed of crazy. Um, I enjoy the matches and watching guys call the match and remember what to do when they're in the ring. And then the guys that are on another level that we'll call it in the ring. Here's the finish. The rest of it we'll call in the ring. Being around guys with that level of talent to be able to feed off the crowd and seeing the younger guys that are coming up, learning from the older guys, from the vets that are around. I, I, I enjoy being around that, that creativity, that kind of talent um, and that ability. And I get to, you know, I get to do my little part, you know, do my part in the ring and, you know, make sure everything goes well. And it's great to, you know, be at the shows and, you know, having my name out there and, Oh, your grandpa. And I'm like, yeah, what have you heard? <laughs> but everybody, you know, I, I love the respect and the honor that, you know, the guys give me to where they'll come up, hey, Grandpa, what do you think about this? And I'm like, uh, no, because then I'm standing there looking stupid. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right, you are. Well, you know, how about we do this? You know, they'll change a match so they're not making the referee look stupid. Nice. So, so Steve, I, I would like to say, I, I'm loving it. Steve, I would like to say, you missed the – somebody forgot to tell you the best part about the referees being at, his, at the award show was their yes. presentation. Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I had everybody on the floor dying laughing. Um, but I would like – Grandpa, let me ask you a question. And, and I want to say – I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, because we all know a good referee – can take a bad match and make it good, and a bad referee can take a good match and make it bad. But a great referee can take any match and make it that much better. Uh, let me ask you this. As the four-time Georgia Wrestling History Referee of the Year Award, uh, out of all the young talent, out of all the young referees, uh, some of them were at the show, some of them weren't, who's next up? Who's nice. the next great referee to come out of Georgia, in your opinion? Great question. Any of the other guys that were nominated? Oh, uh, 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 you got to give me one. <laughs> I'm serious. No. I'm serious. Um, they're all working different shows. It's been a minute since I've worked on a show with uh, Lewis or Paul, but I've you know it's it, because we're all in different places. Uh, there was one guy that hit me up recently that was trying to get me booked on a show in February that you know I booked somewhere else. And I was, you know, checking with the other guys, and everybody was booked. So it's and, – and they're all amazing referees. They're all great for instance. And one thing that, you know, they were all telling me that they appreciated the things that I talked to them about when they were green. Um, you know, I have a ton of guys that will help me out and, you know, point out different things to me, and I try to pass that on to them. And I've worked with each one of those guys that were at the table and some that weren't nominated. Uh, you know, just to trying to pass on the knowledge, you know, that I have, uh, just to try to make everybody better. I, 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 I have. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I've uh, seen Daryl 
as a fan at shows and sitting him sitting behind me talking to uh, other wrestlers, people there watching the show and walking and talk have him walk through what worked, what didn't work, what could improve. Uh, even though I was most of my attention was on the laptop, that one part of my ear listening was just so amazing. So that that is so underrated about Daryl is his way he could teach everyone, not even just referees, but probably, you know, working with the the, the talent in the ring. I, I, that, that is just so underrated part of the referee. We're we're in the golden age of the referee in Georgia wrestling, let's face it, yeah. right? You have a bunch yeah. of people yeah. who get along. You have Nick fucking Patrick running a promotion and teaching guys who who they made a match out of. <laughs> they build a match as this is Nick Patrick's last match refereeing. And it drew. Like, that's insane. Crazy, right? Like, the, being a referee, the, the referees are more viable than the women's division in Georgia. Oh, like, that's insane. We've, oh, we've never had this yeah. kind of depth of, of ref in Georgia. I mean, the depth of really good I agree. reps. Grandpa, I'm going to ask you a tough. I'm going to ask you a tough question that I'm not going to let you squirm out of. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So Aubrey okay. Edwards of AEW recently, right? It's it's now like mm-hmm. it's now now it's now trendy to basically bash her, right? As somebody who draws too much attention to herself and that kind of thing. But I don't think uh, I don't think she's alone. Right. If you look at like Jennifer in PCW, who kind of builds herself as hot girl ref, right, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, we're gonna see. I mean, wrestling is wrestling, and where the goldfish swim, the feces follow, as the Chinese say. We're gonna see more of this, right? What is your What is right. your take about Aubrey Edwards in particular? Do you think she does draw too much attention to herself and doesn't do a good job? Um, and this trend of referees that have a gimmick that's not just, like, the heel referee gimmick. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about referees that have, like, a more, a, a, a more stringent individual identity as a performer. Um, because, I mean, I can just tell you from ground level. Like, at NXT, they are doing their best to stamp that the fuck out. They literally make the referees all enter the ring the same way, do everything the same way. So Aja Pereira doesn't get to be Aja Pereira per se, if that makes sense. She's more like a traditional wrestling right. referee. What do you think about Aubrey Edwards? Right. What do you think about this new crop of referees that are going to have their own strong identities in the ring? I'm old school. I think a referee should be like a ninja. You're, you're, you're seen when you're needed. Um, Aubrey does an amazing job, but I still think she does things that, you know, does get the attention, um, you know, just some of the things she does. But I, overall, I think she does an amazing job. Um, but I'm old school. I've, I'm seen when I'm needed, and I'm there for the right spots. But other than that, I'm in the background, and the focal point to me should be more on the wrestlers who are telling the story, and I come in when it's my paragraph. I, so I would like the buddies here. I think that as far as referees go, I. If you are a great referee, the fans are going to know. Uh, with Grandpa, with Grandpa, it's like his name is Daryl, but nobody calls him Daryl. Hey, this is Grandpa Booker Ref. 
and that's how the fans know him. Not because Grandpa goes out there and tries to make the match about him. It's because he's really great at his job, and the fans recognize that. The same as Red Shoes Uno in New Japan. It's like if you're a referee and you're great at your job, no matter how hard you try, you're going to get noticed. Right. Some promotions don't don't give the referee's name. That I don't quite like. You know, Ooh, I'd really? Love to give the referee a little shine, but um, how many referees in the WWE do you see that they put their name out there? Back in the day, really? they used to, but yeah, now right. it's you know they just kind of you get in the ring when you lights come up. They're in the ring. They don't you know announce a name. You don't know who they are. I would love to see a little bit more of that, but you know the focal point should be on the guys telling the story, and I come in with, as needed. Yeah. Daryl, you said you had the uh, you have the best seat in the house for the matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. You you were involved in a lot, awfully a lot of good matches in 2022. What jumps out at you when you think about 2022 as some of the best ones you were in with? Anything jump out? Oh gosh! Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's way too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do I a big promotion the, then. What was the best anarchy match, or what was, the, or one of the most memorable? Like, let's just say memorable. Like, from promotion, different promotions you worked for. What's a match that stands out from each one? Oh gosh, um, anarchy. Um, the match with the blow off feud with Matt and Crystal. And the uh, program, that match, um, action, there's a bunch of good matches. Um, who was gathered with the Motor City Machine Guns? Um, Shelly. Alex Shelly. Alex Shelly, him and AC Mack. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, PCW is oh, tons of good matches there. It, it's hard to narrow them down. I'm old and I forget a bunch of them. But I, I understand I the just, problem. I love it all. Uh, I remember the PCW match uh, this last year. He he addressed his uh, Count Dracula. That was a fun match. Oh, gosh. (laughs) The (laughs) Halloween show. Yeah. (laughs) That was a ball. Yeah. That was the only time that, you know, I I drew any attention to myself. You know, times like that, you know, I enjoy those as well. And and I love PCW has a training school, um, and there's, you know, tons of new guys coming through there and just watching those guys' talent and being there to critique matches, to videotape, to, you know, to have their, you know, them asking me opinions and doing what I can at the training show. It's just good to see, you know, wherever the, wherever the training school is, seeing the guys, guys come through it um, and do better. I just want to see everybody do better. Right on, man. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, Oh, you're welcome. Congratulations Thank you for, for having me. Fourth fourth time. <laughs> Great. That's it. Just like the horseman, I've got four times, and I think after five, I can hang it up after that. But after five, don't we name the award after you or something like that? It's like if he wins for next real, year, does he become the Grandpa Booker Referee <laughs> Award? Might have to. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, Booker T can do it five times. I want to do it five times, and I can – Pass it on to to the rest of the guys. Awesome stuff, man! Congratulations, 
and uh, keep doing your thing, man. Keep being part of this. I, I mean, referees referees used to mean, and I'm sure everybody here can attest to that, most of the time a referee meant trainee dude that you would throw a, a freaking footlocker shirt on. And we are so far away from that. And I think we need to recognize what a great thing that is, that yeah. that is no longer the norm. And you're a big part of that, man. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And who trained you, by the way? God damn, you're a good ref. Like, who trained you? <laughs> you know you were there for that. <laughs> Put yourself over. Well, thank man. you. Take, take care, man. All right, thank you. Larry, wow. we got we got one more. We got a uh, we got Eric He's been waiting on. waiting patiently in yeah. the wings. I see him here in the green room. The uh Booker of Deep South Wrestling. He wants to talk about an old time match during this interview, but let's get him on here. Eric Adams. <laughs> welcome Jesus to the tipping Christ. point, sir. You, I was messing with you when I was talking about that. I just like talking to you about old school stuff, but thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> See, I put it in the thing. I thought that's what really you really wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, I was just busting balls. But, no, um, I want to real quick give a shout-out to Crystal Rose and to Daryl Hall. Both of them thoroughly uh, deserve the awards they got. Huckabuck, Huckabee. Love you, baby. Glad to see you're doing better. I was glad to run Thank into you. him Friday. Such a successful event. Such a great event. Um, I, If you weren't there, you really missed out on something wonderful. Uh, I had the pleasure of helping Naja with little things here and there to help set up the event. And uh, truly was just a great night, Friday night. Nick Patrick made the point the guy was at five different WrestleMania after parties. I've had the pleasure of being at a couple myself. And, yes, it did put it to shame just to see everyone together, working together, enjoying themselves, and just thoroughly, you know, checking their egos at the door. My favorite part was watching as these two little kids danced on the dance floor. Oh, God, and Everybody yes. just cheered them they on were... because... It was something so much more important than pro wrestling. Oh yeah, they were they were on fire. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> so Larry, I think I want to interview you a little since nobody ever asks you questions. <laughs> since Uh-oh. you got me on here, um, Larry, I want to ask because you know everybody's talking about what they thought about the awards show and everything like that. What were you, you know, you've been doing these awards for countless years. How many years could, should, could we say you've been doing them? Well, I mean, I've been involved since uh, George Wrestling History took them over in 2009, and then Steve and I have been doing the award show for God knows how many years as far as the podcast announcing the winners. So a long time. Yeah, I think, I think it's fantastic. What, what was your thoughts on being there, sitting there, trying it for yourself, and just being a part of the event? You know, I really appreciate you asking me that because the thing that – one thing was as people started really coming in the doors and as more and more people came in and I saw the mix of people and the way people were mixing, I was just stood back in amazement of it. And it really made me feel good to see the Georgia wrestling community 
as you were just talking about, the um, the togetherness of it and checking egos at the door, and that I don't didn't talk to anybody who didn't say that they had that they didn't have fun. Everybody seemed to have fun. So yeah. you know, were there things that could have been better about it? Of course, but on the whole. I thought it was a, I thought it was a huge success, and, and and I really enjoyed just watching it all unfold. Um, you know, I did I, too. I really did. And I was so happy that Iceberg was there to accept the um, Legends Award. That that oh, was absolutely. That was that was awesome to see him there. It was also I'm going to toot your horn again, Huck. It was so good to see you a week removed mm. from your emergency in such good spirits, moving around, running around, laughing and joking and smiling with everyone. That was another uh, great moment to me from the award show was seeing you get up there, present an award, and just see you just really enjoying yourself after a very tumultuous week. Let me tell you, I needed that more than a lot of people thought. It was like after being in the hospital for five days and – just the sadness, just I guess the the depression of just like oh man, like I, I could barely walk to my mailbox. Like I needed, I told my wife, I told Selena, I was like I needed to be around the boys and mm. just get that love and that motivation to get back out there and to make sure, you know, make sure that you know my last match that I just had was not my last match. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, don't worry, I'll I'll make sure to wait around for you so I can kick your ass one more time with Oscar. <laughs> we'll find out wherever he's hiding, and we'll get Oscar to come out and be a part of that one. Larry, I'm going to ask you this also, Larry, about the award show. Um, yeah. Was it just me, or did you notice that there were a there were a lot of the boys um, making connections with promoters and bookers that they never would have met regardless without the award show? Uh, but there were promoters who were talking to each other where you would have thought, like, ooh, are they really having a conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, I saw a few promoters and bookers talking, like, out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, wow, like, what are they talking about? Well, yeah, if there, I can there was a lot. There were a lot of interesting conversations taking place in that, in that uh, gala. If I could say something about that, Huck. Um I'm really happy as a booker myself. I'm really glad that we've gotten to a point in Georgia wrestling where bookers and promoters of different brands and different products can just get along and understand, you know, someone's selling chocolate while someone's selling vanilla and someone's selling butterscotch. You know, um, it doesn't have to be a war. It doesn't have to be. Um, I'm 140 years old. I've been doing this way too long. And uh, going from Indies in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, I think Georgia's just gotten to a point where they went in a whole, why the fuck are we doing this still? Like, why are we, like, at war with this or with this? Because at the end of the day, the fans never care about that shit. And I think a good example of that would be when, you know, Steven, I'm calling you out for this one, and uh, what's the fucking guy's name? Gary Lamb decided they were going to shit all over nausea in the award show, and you saw the crowds went down because the fans don't care about things like that. The fans just want to be entertained, and they want to have fun. And, you know, it shows. 
And I believe we're getting to a point in the Georgia wrestling scene where everybody just wants to enjoy themselves when they do this, whether they're a participant or they're a customer. Hello? I, I can agree with that. I, I can agree with that, Eric. Um, let me can, can you know, I ask one more question, and I'll be quiet for you guys. I promise I'll be quiet. Sure. Eric, what's up with the Deep South KLT merge, man? Yeah. Is that oh, like legit? Dude, Did you guys so buy KLT out? It wasn't like, a merge. It was a wor- it's a working agreement. Um, KLT was in a position where they lost uh, their booker and some of the people who were working behind the scenes. Um, I believe it was for the better they got rid of those people. And uh, we just wanted to help KLT continue. Because KLT, to me, personally, I've worked for KLT a grand total wrestling-wise of three times. But what KLT has is it's the show in a community where they have 300, 350 people on each show. So I just wanted to do something to help them fill the cards while they were getting back on their feet. Uh, Rob Rod was at the first one. He said over 400-plus. And at this one, we had we had about, I want to say it was something like 45 more people showed up. And, you know, I think it's been a real success. I just, I'm a firm believer in the more shows that are successful, the more opportunities people have to work and the more opportunities they have to work, the more chances they have at getting better, even if it's just they finally get past their own insecurities because, they're working other places and they're learning, Hey, I'm really not that bad at this. And I can go, I should start going back to wrestling school and working on this and working on that. And the shows have been phenomenal, you know, having Skrilla back, having zero back, bringing in Rose gold and Nathaniel Vanderbilt, Tyson Maddox, Jacob Johnson, um, bringing in, uh, bringing in, of course, uh, crystal Rose, you know, just bringing different people and, helping these guys along and just trying to help continue to grow the wrestling scene because I love pro wrestling. It's what I've known since I'm 14 years old when I started training. So why am I going to allow, you know, something that's been a staple in Rome, Georgia for the past, you know, two years that's been drawing 300 to 350 people go away. You know, why not, help them give a helping hand to somebody who needs it um eric um i saw that the deep south show that was going to be happening in february is postponed can you shed any light on on what happened there oh sure absolutely um well nick patrick as some of you may or may not know since the passing of jody hamilton uh, is in full-time responsibility and care of Rosemary Hamilton, his mother, and also in full-time care of his son, Big Nick. At the current moment in time between that, and I'm also a caretaker for my disabled parents, it just it wasn't in the cards to work the way we wanted it to, but we have some things that we're working on in the future that, you know, every time we've ran a show and changed the building, we moved from one great venue to another. And I wish I could tell you that we finalized it tonight, but it wasn't finalized tonight. But within the next 48 hours, 
um, our new venue for the next show, for the next couple shows, will be announced. And it's going to be great. Seven stages, you know, they're, they're a community theater group and performance center. And they're booked until June. And there mm. was a situation that arose where we were going to have to do an afternoon matinee show. And it just, I, I didn't trust it personally. I didn't trust doing a matin afternoon matinee show. And, you know, when our crowd's used to us running on a Friday night, and now we're going to try and run a Saturday afternoon. I, I, I think you made the right call, unless I read your crowd completely wrong. That's not what they would. That's not what they would want or would go for. Is a matinee? No, show. I don't think our crowd would be happy with that. And I, you know, I would like for us to be a Saturday afternoon show. That would be great because then the boys could go work two shows in one night and yeah. make more money. Because at the end of the day, that's what the Deep South. That's what we're trying to do with Deep South. You know, we have a little bit of a name brand value since the year 1986. And if we can help these guys get booked other places, then that's what we're going to try and do because I want to see everybody evolve and become better and hopefully get signed one day so they can do this as their full-time career. Eric, you um, made reference to your training, and I – I know from when you and I have talked, I know some about that. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about your early uh, roots in the wrestling business? Sure. Um, when I was a young teenager, around the age of 14, um, I was in judo at the time. I got my second dan in judo by the time I was 13. Um, and while I was doing that, I went to do a tournament one time. And when I went to do this tournament, Jason Knight, uh, Jason, the sexiest man on earth, was there with his nephew. And I knew Jason because I was a fan of ECW. And I told him I wanted to train. I wanted to become a wrestler. And he told me about Johnny Rods's, uh, the unpredictable Johnny Rods, WWE Hall of Famer. Um, he had a school in Brooklyn. I called Johnny on the phone. I told Johnny I was 14. He said, Sorry, Poppy, you got to be 16 to come train. I said, okay, I understand. I waited two months. I then went to Johnny. I told him I was 16 and completely lied. And I started training at Johnny Rods's. Um, I was lucky enough that on some, some, you know, for two summers in a row, Johnny sent me down to Tampa to go work with his trainer, Carl Gotch. Um. I also got the chance to work with his first tag team partner, Kevin Sullivan, and learn about the business through him. And uh, every Saturday afternoon, Arnie Scullin would show up at Johnny Rods' gym, and him and Johnny would drink Canadian club whiskey and smoke cigars, and I would sit and listen to those great minds. And I, uh, I really got lucky by just hanging around and knowing to keep my mouth shut so people would forget that I was in the corner to learn things. Mm. Mm. And you're very knowledgeable of Southern wrestling. How did that get into your system? And here you are down in you know down in Atlanta now. But how did the Southern aspect get in get in with you? Well, I had a friend who was in the tape trading market, and he got me a tape which was the 1985 yearbook of USWA in Memphis. And it was a six-hour <laughs> tape that just had 
some of the greatest things, some Memphis, Memphis wrestling. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And so I started bugging him. And at the time I was, you know, I was, I was, I was working. I started working at the age of 12. I was pumping gas at a gas station and uh, I would do that. And then to pay for wrestling school, I shine shoes from 4.30 a.m. to six to about 7 a.m. And then I'd go over to Grotto's Pizzeria and work from 7 till noon uh, delivering pizzas on Wall Street. And so I'd take my money, and he started showing me, like, all these different things. And I started just eating up all this southern territorial wrestles, wrestling, uh, Continental, Ghoulis, any tape I could get my hands on. Uh, of course, GCW, uh, Gunkles, all that. And I just really fell in love with the wrestling style because where I grew up in New York, you know, when I was a kid and I, I just loved watching wrestling, I got lucky enough to where I could get WWF on one channel. I got World, World Class Championship Wrestling out of Texas on another channel. I had Bill Watts, of course. I had... Uh, NWA wrestling, because they used to have the old NWA Chicago. I had to do that for you, Larry. With uh, Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone hosting. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with Southern wrestling, Southern-style wrestling. And uh, I, I still to this day, Jerry Lawler's the greatest, wrestler, the greatest wrestler of all times because it's easy to be a traveling champion and, and be over with the world. But be in the same territory 52 times a year for over 25 years and still draw the crowds that Lawler was able to draw, you have to be somewhat special and you have to be creative and you have to work different matches and different styles and different everything. And uh, pretty much just the Armstrongs and Jerry Lawler and uh, Tracy Smothers and Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes and guys like that, and just watching all that is uh, what really got me hooked on it. Uh, I'm curious, what rubbed off on you from Kevin, from your exposure to Kevin Sullivan? Kevin is, I mean, you, you're talking about the guy who booked WCW for the 83 weeks that they beat the WWF in the ratings. It got so bad at Titan Towers, and I know this for a fact because at the same time my girlfriend's cousin was doing his internship at Titan, they stopped delivering water to the water coolers inside of Titan Towers. <laughs> and the way – no, that's a real story. They stopped having water delivery. And when you're having water delivery ending at corporations and in corporate buildings, that's usually the signal of, hey, we're getting ready to go out. And uh, Kevin always taught me, you cannot bullshit the fans. You can make them, you have to make sure that what you're presenting to them is something that they can believe in and something that's real life. Um, they're going to love to see the high-flying stuff, but they'll never know what it's, what it's like to get hit by somebody doing a backflip off the top rope. But they sure as hell knows what it's like to get punched in the face or slapped or for someone to just, for no reason, just be a prick and, and double-cross them in something and betray them. They can feel that. Kevin taught me to work with emotion. Mm. Mm. Nice. 
And uh, that's that's what I try and do with Deep South, and I think we've done a great job. Um, earlier it was mentioned that uh, Nick Patrick's farewell show drew, but I think the big part of it that everybody's forgetting is we had a hell of a match with Naja and Skrilla for that, and we had a hell of a buildup over five shows to yeah. get to that payoff match. And Skrilla and Naja did the heavy lifting. I mean, they really did the heavy lifting for five shows with that. And I'll be honest with you, it was a replacement match. Hmm. The very first time Skrilla and Naja fought, that was not the match that was booked on the original first card we did. As a matter of fact, that first card was supposed to be a one-off. And it was supposed to be Jordan Kingsley versus Naja, because that's the match I've been wanting to do for forever. And uh, Jordan Kingsley couldn't make it, and Skrilla came in last second. And Naja and Skrilla hit a home run. And at that point, I listened to the crowd, and I listened to what they said, and I said, this is my story for season one. And they gave us a phenomenal story. They are a fantastic story. I could not have asked for two better professionals in the ring to tell the story that they told throughout all of season one. And anyone who's not booking Naja and Skrilla, you're making a grave mistake because those two guys are hungry. They're dedicated. They bust their ass. And, you know, the work speaks for itself. I mean, look what Skrilla and Zero have been doing in in KLT right now. We almost had a full-scale riot on Saturday night. We brought back heat where fans were actually taking swings at Skrilla. And so to have that happen, that that tells you how great, literally, no pun intended, Skrilla is as a heel. And we're bringing back that old heat. And in uh, three weeks, we're going to pay off that story. And it's going to be told in a steel cage match. And I'm really excited because Zero has really come a very long way. Just like you mentioned before, Rob Rod. Rob Rod, I believe you're on here. I love you, baby. It's good to see you. Love you, too. No, I love Rob Rod. Rob Rod has always been the sweetest, kindest guy to me. He's always cool to hang around. I want to have a beer with you one of these days at these shows, Rob Rod. Me and you are going to have a beer at one of these shows. All right. Well, we got till the end of uh, uh, April, early May. I'm going to make it happen. We're going to make you come to a Deep South show before you no. leave. <laughs> so it's on my list. There you go. <laughs> We're going to have a beer at the show, and we're going to enjoy ourselves. But, um, you know, and that's that's the whole thing right there is, you know, that, you know, that's just, that's that's all that Deep South Mission is. We're trying to create new stars so these guys can go other places and be worth more other places. You know, me and Nick aren't looking to travel all over the United States. Uh, Peter Steele once said perfectly, if I could get all my fans to take the D train down to Brighton Beach and I could just perform in Brooklyn, then I would have that. Well, if I can get all my fans to take the Marta, state, take the Marta down to Peachtree Street and just come see us wrestle, that's what I'm going to do. There you go. You know, just uh, one other, one more word about the Naja Skrilla uh, payoff match. That was my first exposure to um, Deep South and what the thing that one thing that was really striking was the investment your audience had in those two people and seeing that match. 
it was str- very striking. It's because those the work. kids did the work. Yeah, they did the work. They 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 made the people feel it, and they mm-hmm. made the people go with them on that story. And you know, it's just the little things. You know, Naja and Skrilla. You know, they're here. They they're here from here in Atlanta now. They live here. The fact that you know. Those two kids, you know, it's 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 not by happenstance I do this. On the marquee at Deep South shows, it doesn't say Deep South Wrestling, and we have that beautiful marquee Seven Stages gives us. It says what the main event is and the two wrestlers on the card. And yeah. and when, you know, you, you grow up in the Atlanta area, and all of a sudden you see your name on a marquee as the main event, because they're going to have a million chances to know that they're at a Deep South show. But when a kid like Naja or a kid like Skrilla, you know, gets the chance to wrestle in what's now their hometown and see their name on the marquee and bring their family and bring their friends, it, it, it elevates their game. And it makes them, you know, it just it brings out the best in everybody. And that's all I'm looking to do with Deep South is bring the best out in everybody. I think the thing that Deep South has done that has been so successful, I think it's the foundation of what you guys have been able to accomplish as far as fans, as far as venues and things like that. But it really boils down to there are shows that the boys, they're willing to work at any number of places, but there's places that they want desperately to work and they want to be a part of. And Deep South is one of those handful of spots that the boys they talk to me about, right? Like they love it there. And, and it has nothing to do with pay. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It's just uh, everybody gets into this thing to be part of something bigger than themselves. And I think Deep South has very successfully pulled off this thing where the boys want to be there. And it breeds more people wanting to be there. Um, and that's a major accomplishment for you and for Nick. I think like that's the part that other places really need to learn from is it's just, well, you want to be a destination spot for the boys. That's how you're able to kind of pick and choose and improve. But it's real simple. Anyone can do this formula. It's the same formula Johnny Rods taught me about in pro wrestling. The reason Johnny Rods had a, career in the WWE for as long as he did, and he still has the relationship he does with the WWE, is because he did everything out of love. If you're going to do a job, you're going to do it out of love for what you do. If you're going to run a show, you're going to do it out of love. If I'm going to fuck, I love this. This is all I know. I'm fucking old and decrepit, and I'm the grandfather of fucking failure, if you really want to look at it. Because I can literally say I was wrestling in the 19-fucking-hundreds. Okay? And, you know, at 14 14 years old, and I'm 40 now. It's ridiculous how long I've been around here. I'm not worried about my career. My career was what it was, and I enjoyed what I got to do. I didn't care about if I got signed or if I did this or if I did this. I did this because I love it. And that's what I'm doing now with Deep South with the shows I do. I'm doing it because I love it and because there are so many talented kids and people who I haven't booked yet that I can't wait to book because I want these people to see that they're better 
than what they even think they are. Zero is the perfect example. Zach Mosley is somebody that I had a hand in with APCW where I wanted to show him he was better than he was. Zach Mosley, when I first met him, was a beer-gutted post-grad who hadn't watched wrestling in five years. And I knew there was something special there. I like Mm. taking people who are special, and I like showing them how special they are, and I like trying to get them to that very next level. One of my projects right now is Zero. Another one is Gemma Jules. Two more were, were, well, I can't say Naja and Skrilla because they've already been out doing things, but I wanted to show them that they can. I wanted everyone to see that they are main event caliber talent. And um, next set, uh, you know, Nathaniel Vanderbilt and Rose Gold are very high on my list for that. And Gemma Jules is high on my list for that. There's a bunch of guys and girls and non-binary talent that I'm really working with that I want because of my love of this, I want them to have that. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about making money. I'm worried about getting this next je- these next few kids over and showing the world that how special they really are. So, um, so Eric, I was going to say, to jump off of what Platinum was saying, it, it, you can tell – the top companies or the companies the boys want to work for when they start saying, when they start telling other wrestlers at other shows, hey, man, you need to come work here. Hey, man, you, you, know, you want to have fun? You need to come work here. As somebody who's been in the business for a while, I will say at this point is like if you're not paying me what I want, it has to be somewhere where I'm going and having fun and I'm hanging out with my boys and we're doing dope matches and dope storylines. And that's one of the things I consistently hear about Deep South. Uh, me and Squilla talk, you know, every once in a while, and I say, hey, man, what's up with this Deep South stuff? And he was like, bruh, you've got to come. He's like, you, he, he's like, even if you don't work the show, you just got to come check out the show, just hang out in the back. There's no egos. There's no issues. Uh, I think that we've seen with this year's uh, History Awards with, you know, IWE winning promoter and promotion of the year, that the boys want to work places and work for people where they feel appreciated at, where their voice is heard, where they can have fun and they don't have to worry about being politicked out of a spot. And I think that's one of the good things about Deep South that I've heard is that you don't have to worry about the promoter or the booker politicking you out of a spot or not listening to you or just telling you to do this and shut up. Uh, I, I think congratulations on creating an environment that the boys want to be at now. Thank you, Huckabee. I really appreciate that. I mean, the main thing is we went in with, with, a, with a slogan, and that is every match is a main event. Um, that's why our YouTube show is shut, set up the way it is. It's one match every week on YouTube. So it's that week's main event. Everybody gets their turn, just like we're Don't doing with the shows. That. Don't you tell Platinum that. That's what it is. Every match is a main event, and it's worked. You know, we've had we've had Naja and Skrilla in a main event. We've had Papa Marco and Trevor A. on in a main event. We're going to have uh, Los Martinez and uh, and Rose Gold and Nathaniel Vanderbilt in a main event. We're going to have a bunch. We have. I know my next six main events, and they're all different because I believe every person I have on my roster is qualified enough to be a main event, and I want them all to get that spot. And so far, the formula has worked. Not to stroke my own ego, 
I've been lucky enough that my weird little idea of every match being a main event works. I, I, Eric, I don't know, man. We got Larry Goodman in the building, and, you know, Goodman is a lot nicer now than he was 10 years ago. Oh, there we go again. My favorite was the first I, I, time Larry ever reviewed my match. He said I was I was a jobber that put fucking Rocky King and uh, the, the, the what's-the-name brothers to shame. Oh, the first time he saw me, he was like, God, give the wrestling. That's a stretch. Um, <laughs> but... You know, Goodman has said uh, he's been to a show, and I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna show your show because I've never been to a show. I'm coming to a show soon, but you know, Goodman Goodman did say something about one particular match that happened at yeah. your show. Yeah, and, and Larry has the right to his opinion. Larry has the right to his opinion. Well, yeah. that's that was Larry's opinion. That's that's one man's opinion versus 265 sold tickets. The math doesn't add up, okay? So I'm not going to make everyone happy, and I'm not here to make everyone happy. I'm a Puerto Rican New Yorker in the South. Okay? Are I'm you a New Rican? Rican in the South. I'm, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have a Are plate you? of rice and beans on my head, Huck. I, I'm so sorry. Like, we know each other. I've been New York Puerto Rican. Yeah, I had to hide it. You, didn't know that, you don't know the story, do you? No. So when I first got to Knoxville, Tennessee to wrestle, I told all of them, my name is Jose Rodriguez, and I'd love to come wrestle on your show. And all the promoters in Tennessee said, sorry, buddy, we're booked up. Uh, Check back in six months. I called back two weeks later and said my name was Eric Adams, and they all opened their arms, and I started working that weekend. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's you know that's what it was. I figured being the only Puerto Rican in Tennessee was going to help me get booked, and it hindered it. So I told everybody I was Norwegian and said my name was Eric Adams, just to be a dick. That's the real story. I was listening to a lot of In Flames at the time, and so I decided to start calling myself that, and I got stuck with it. Eric, you're not telling me anybody anybody bought you were Norwegian. Oh, I told everybody I was Norwegian. I even had shirts that said the Norwegian nightmare. (laughs) All my friends in New York were dying of laughter because people believed it. (laughs) I guess they didn't know what a Norwegian looks like. (laughs) Exactly. Eric, I'm going to need to see a birth certificate. (laughs) I've known you for like 12 years, bro. I've never heard you speak Spanish. (laughs) You've heard me speak Spanish, but it's me cursing. Trust me. Uh, like, I've like, no, known Eric Adams for 12 years. I've this never is the worst secret kept in wrestling that I'm Puerto Rican. Jesus Christ. Bro, I, I it swear, is the I, worst I kept to, secret. I thought you were a white guy with platinum. No, no, no. When I was, I, the whole rib is, I, when I went to Platinum and I was doing commentary at uh, for Hankins, uh, I saw Duncan Mitchell and I said, me and him are going to have a match where the loser has to drop the Anglo-Saxon name and go back to their roots. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was true. That is crazy. Oh, you know? No, of course. It's just, you know, I mean, look, the business has changed and grown a lot, and this isn't Knoxville, Tennessee, so I don't have to use the Eric Adams name no more, but 
it is what it is. But no, I was born Jose Rodriguez in Jackson Heights, Queens, New York. And uh, yeah, I'm your typical New Yorkian. We run the rainbow, you know that, Huck. I'll give you an example. No, Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle is Puerto Rican, and so is Carmelo Anthony, and so is Reggie Jackson. What's well, so Cameron Diaz? Cameron Diaz is not Puerto Rican. She's uh, Colombian. Well, she's Hispanic, Latin, Latinx, whatever you call it. She's no, I'm not Latin. I'm Caribbean. Oh jeez! Look, look, we're not going to get Larry canceled, okay? We're not going to get this shit canceled. <laughs> no, it's you who's going to get canceled. I'm old. I, look, They're going to take trying. back the GoFundMe money. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I know, all, I mean, all I know, guys, is all this talk about Puerto Ricans is making me grab my wallet a little tighter. <laughs> so, oh. Uh, oh. Hey, Steven, oh. you know, funny you should say that. Speaking of grabbing wallets a little tighter, whatever happened to that money that you took for the Patreon to get the awards made last year? Ooh. Ooh. And not last year, but the year before, I got the awards made. So, the, the I thought guy, you the were guy there continually temp- do it to temp- have the awards made is what you said. That's no, Larry picked up on that. Yeah, then the no, last, that's not yeah, why. The, I, the, the Patreon had been around a long time before the awards. I've been doing that thing since I've been doing full disclosure. So. Yeah, fair enough. You got me there. Fair enough. Yeah, the last so but, Steve uh, did him that year, and then I did him the after. Since then, I did him. Larry, mm-hmm. what do you do for work? I'm a licensed professional counselor. I I work with people oh, okay. with uh, primarily people with schizophrenia. Larry, oh, very good news so in and a bookie. I'll be good seeing you in about five truth. years. Eric Adams, let's tell the truth. Larry Goodman is a bookie and a loan shark. I'm just saying, here's the reason why Goodman is not afraid to talk shit to somebody on a review and then see you the next week, walk up to your face and be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Why should anybody feel bad about giving an opinion? You see, here's the well, thing. I'm a legitimate believer in freedom of speech, I'm a, and I defend every form of it, even if I disagree with it. And I'll always and I'll always defend everybody's right to freedom of speech because if I want people to be able to talk about one subject, then all subjects have to be open. That's how I look at it. So Larry didn't like Gemma Jules and and Randy Reno versus Rose Gold and Nathaniel Vanderbilt. That's fine. By the way, Larry, I did find a way worse springboard elbow, though, and i got to send you that. Uh-oh. I'd like to see it. If you find a worse Okay, one. hold on. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I think I think Larry sometimes, and Larry, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to talk to you straight forth because I get along with you and I really do like Please. you. I Please think do. sometimes you're a little overcritical of things. Yeah. And I think sometimes you do forget that these are people who are still in their learning stages. You know, Harley race wasn't Harley race for the first 12 years of his career. Okay. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to respond to that. I, I, it's not that I forget, but I look at it as a, as a customer watching a show and I'm not there to, to consider 
that as just view, looking at it as somebody looking at a wrestling show. You know, if I, if it's good, it's good. If it's not good, I mean, okay. If, if they're inexperienced, they're inexperienced. That doesn't, you know, score points because they're inexperienced. No, um, I understand that. But here's but here's the part that I have to bring up. And as crazy as this is going to sound, yeah, the match wasn't the best. But I'll tell you this much: because we give every wrestler a hashtag to sell to give discounts for tickets to you know for our shows Gemma's one of the highest sell highest grocers that you know the the the, oh. the code ha- hashtag Gemma almost blows everyone else out the water I so don't if, doubt if that the at fans all. don't mind it you know so if the fans don't mind it I mean like I said you have your opinion and you have your right to it but I don't know. I think I feel like sometimes some people get a bad rep and they're not allowed to grow out of it. I saw your review of Gemma's match with um with uh Sarah Blade. Is that her name? Sarah Saber. Sarah Saber. Sarah Saber. Yeah, Sarah Saber. I thought that was one of Gemma's better matches compared to anything else she's done here recently. Personal opinion. I thought that her her talent has gone up. I think her work rate has gone up a lot. I think she's losing the giraffe leg issue, where she has, where she like walks sometimes. It looks like someone with giraffe legs. And I don't know, man. I feel like maybe if you watch some more of Gemma's work and try and go under with the understanding that this is a girl who's really only been training for a grand total of what be three years, you'd realize she's improving pretty quickly. Yeah, and I'll keep you know I'll keep watching and I'll keep an open mind. Hey, you know, um, thank you. This is this has been a pleasure, and we're about out of time. And it looks to me like Mr. Platinum has dropped off here. Yeah, happens. But yeah. Um, Larry, thank you so much for having me, Huck. I love you, brother. It's so good I to see you on Friday, weeks, man. Guys, I want to tell you all right now. I can't wait for William Huckabee to get back in the ring. He's going to be better than ever. This is just the setback. And here, everybody here. go out there, buy some Huckabee merchandise, go support him at shows, and uh, just get ready for me to kick his ass the next time I see him in a ring. <laughs> and I'm All bringing right. Oscar. So for Eric Adams, William Huckabee, Stephen Platinum, Rob, Larry Goodman, Daryl Hall, and Crystal Rose. Thank you, and we'll see you soon on the Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.